0: If you're in business, you probably have a website, but can your site handle your growth? How many visitors before your site slows down or crashes? What about storage and data security? From web hosting to virtual servers, Pair Networks provides the online infrastructure you need to start, grow, and flourish. When it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24 7 US based customer support is the best in the industry. No frustrating chatbots are sitting on hold for hours. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. That's P A I R.com. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode 17 for Monday, April the 18th, 2016. This episode of the John Campia Podcast is sponsored by GeekFeed.com. Stuff your geek hole. Hey guys, and thanks for joining me on today's episode. J.J. Abrams says Ray's parents not in Star Wars Episode 7. Jungle Book hits $103 million. James Cameron says there are going to be four Avatar films. Fox confirms Deadpool 2. Kingsman 2. A whole bunch of stuff to go over. So sit back, relax. The John Capia Podcast starts right now. Well, good Monday morning to you guys. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast. I, of course, am uh, John Campia. Uh, welcome to Episode 17. We didn't have a third podcast last week. Now, you normally know, I, I, I normally try to do three podcasts a week. Last week, I had one on Monday, had one on Wednesday, did not have one since. And oh my God, how much stuff has gone on in the world of movie news this week? Just since last podcast on Wednesday, it is crazy how much stuff. Look, there's so much stuff to go over today. I'm not even going to have time to get to uh, Twitter questions. Normally, you know, every episode I try to save a little bit of time for Twitter questions. But I promise I will go heavy on the Twitter questions next episode. So, hey, if you don't know how to do it, simply send in a tweet and use the hashtag, hashtag TJCP. That's how you get Your Twitter questions to me. Just send out a tweet with your question and make sure you include the hashtag TJCP and those will get the questions to me and I will go heavy on the Twitter questions next episode. But I just got so ridiculously busy last week. It's crazy. As many of you know, I have a new show that is going to be starting up here on the brand new Comic-Con HQ network. And uh, we finally decided on a title. I can't reveal what the title is yet, but it's coming. I mean, who cares? It's just a title, but I'm not allowed to reveal what the title is yet. Uh, and it's coming up. That is starting in May. Now, a bunch of people have been asking me a lot of questions about Comic-Con HQ. And I'm still getting a lot of questions about, hey, is that a YouTube channel? Is it like, what is it? Well, here's the long and short of it. So Comic-Con, the great San Diego Comic-Con, and Lionsgate, the movie studio, Uh, got together and they've created this new uh, SVOD channel. And an SVOD is a subscription video on demand. And well, what is an SVOD? Think of a Hulu or think of Crackle or think of um, channels like that, that you get on your, you know, on your Roku, on your Apple TV, on your Xbox, on your PlayStation, on your Amazon Fire, on uh, just about anything on your mobile devices, whatever. So it's going to be a video-on-demand channel, much like a Hulu or a Crackle or something like that. It's going to have a ton of original content, and one of those pieces of original content, dare I say, the crowning jewel of their original content, that's my words, not theirs, um, is going to, of course, be the brand-new uh, weekly movie magazine show, that i'm going to be doing and i did let it slip the other day that i mean it's <laughs> this is one of the worst kept secrets in our space but uh john schnepp is going to be doing that show with me i've got a bunch of other people involved with me uh some whose names you may know a bunch of them whose names you won't know but <clears throat> i've been really busy this past week trying to finalize my team and getting my team together we're not there yet We're not there yet. We do have a a number of key people on board now, but we still got a few more to go. So I'm very excited about it. Now, this thing is going to be launching for free um, in May, and then it's going to be free until after San Diego Comic-Con, I believe, in July. And I don't know what they're charging for it at this point. I don't think they've officially announced. Maybe they have. I don't think they've officially announced how much the channel is going to be. But I've got to imagine. This is just me guessing. Don't hold me to this. Don't hold anybody. This is just me guessing. I got to imagine it's going to be anywhere between 3 to $6. And that's my guess, is that it's going to be anywhere between 3 to $6 a month. And it's going to have a ton of original content. Plus, here's a really key thing for big fans of Comic-Con, one of the things that everybody's complained a lot about, I think I might have mentioned this in the last podcast, but this is exciting, is that you know people don't get to see these Hall H panels at Comic-Con, the big panels where the big movie studios have their big presentations. And Comic-Con HQ has announced that Hall H panels, they won't be streaming live But shortly after, I don't know if they mean hours shortly after or a few days or a week later, but shortly after uh, the panels at Hall H, those Hall H panels will be streaming on Comic-Con HQ. So you'll be able to see all those panels at Comic-Con. Now, I don't know uh, if I remember reading it right, whether or not you'll see any special footage they show. At those Comic-Cons, I think that's going to be up to the individual studios if I read all the uh, material, right? So some studios may say, yes, it's fine for you to also stream the new trailer we're showing. But some may say, no, it's not. So that's going to be up to the studios. That won't have anything to do with Comic-Con HQ. That'll be up to the studios about whether or not they let Comic-Con HQ stream those too. But this is going to be... An awesome channel. I am honestly, guys. It. I remember when they first pitched me on this channel. I was so excited about it and so pumped. I turned down a lot of things so I could do this, so I could be a part of this Comic Con HQ channel. I am that stoked about it. I am that excited about it, and I think you guys are going to love it uh, when it comes out. But listen, like I said at the top, dudes. So much has happened this week. I can't even believe some of the movie news stories and entertainment world stories I am not going to be talking about today simply because there was just too much stuff and I only have so much time. But uh, I'm going to lead off with this. So a few days ago, a big hubbub started on Twitter. And I first heard about this on Twitter because I started seeing all these tweets saying, John, did you see that J.J. Abrams confirms that Luke Skywalker is not Rey's father in Star Wars Episode 7? Now, I- I've never believed that, I think episode seven makes it pretty clear that Luke is not Ray's father. That's just my opinion. There are other people who watched episode seven and they think it makes it pretty clear that Luke is her father. And that's cool. We're just going to have to wait till episode eight to find out for sure. Uh, but me, myself, my personal opinion as of right now, and I could be wrong. Who knows? Uh, is that I believe episode seven made it pretty clear that Luke Skywalker is not Ray's father. Now, whether or not she's a solo or whether or not she's somehow in some weird twist away descendant of Obi-Wan Kenobi or whatever, there's a lot of good theories out there. Or maybe she's just not related to anybody that we know of or that we would care about. I mean, remember, before Luke Skywalker, there were no like lineages of Jedi's, right? Every Jedi in, in the history of jedis going back thousands of years they didn't come from a family of jedis they were all just children who were then taken at a very young age and brought to the jedi temple to train to be jedis that was it There was no such thing as lineage and jedis didn't have kids so i mean who knows maybe she's just maybe she's just the next generation of force user in the history of the way force users have been the entire history of the star wars galaxy but anyway so what the focus of these tweets came from was the fact that J.J. Abrams uh, was speaking to the Hollywood Reporter and he made this comment, and this is what got everybody stirring like a bees in a hornet's nest, all right? This is what J.J. said. Um, Ray's parents, J.J. Abrams said, are not in episode seven. So I can't possibly say in this moment who Ray's parents are, but I will say it is something that Ray thinks about too. So again, listen to the words. Ray's parents are not in episode seven so if you listen to JJ's comments to the Hollywood reporter you're instantly thinking well that rules out the fact that it could possibly be Luke Skywalker because we do see him in episode seven it can't be Han Solo and Leia because we see them in episode seven um, it can't be Admiral Akbar because we see him in episode seven because I know a lot of people out there thought Admiral Akbar were her parents were her father uh no there wasn't anyway Um. So that got everybody buzzing and stirring. And I remember hearing those comments and I'm thinking, well, I mean, I don't think she's Luke's kid anyway. I don't think, I've never really thought we've seen her parents in episode seven, but still this sounds, this sounds very odd. J.J. Abrams, who is so hyper secretive about his movies. Now, great. He's not directing episode eight, but he's still, you know, he's still attached to the films. He's a producer on the film. He's involved. J.J. Abrams is notoriously secretive. This is a very strange thing for him to say, for him to come out and reveal that, hey, by the way, raised parents, not in episode seven. That seems out of character for him. And so it never really sat well with me. And so I never retweeted that. I never talked about it on my uh, on my Facebook page or on my social media, the, this comment from J.J. Abrams, because something about it didn't sound right to me. Well, apparently, there's a good reason it didn't sit right, because later, after the whole internet exploded with everybody talking about this comment from J.J. Abrams, I mean, he then goes on to say, he clarified Entertainment Weekly, he says, what I meant, this is what J.J. said, what I meant was that she doesn't discover them in episode seven, not that they may not already be in her world. So there's the J.J. we know. There's J.J. being very vague. So J.J. putting on the hat of Captain Obvious says, what I meant to say is that she doesn't discover who her parents are in episode seven. Well, we know that. We knew that already, J.J. We all have watched episode seven. We all know Ray doesn't discover who her parents are. We know. And then he continues to be cryptic by saying, not that they may not already be in her world. So once again, we're right back to we don't know who Ray's parents are. They could have appeared in episode seven, which means the possibility of it being a Han and Leia or a Luke or an Admiral Akbar, um, those options are still on the table officially, but they may also not be somebody who was in episode seven. JJ went back to being cryptic. So now a lot of people are talking online. Well, hey, maybe JJ in that first comment, we he says race parents aren't in episode seven, maybe that was him accidentally letting it slip. Maybe that was JJ accidentally letting it slip. Now I'm not, JJ Abrams isn't notorious, is not known, is absolutely not known for letting things slip, but that's a possibility. Maybe he did. And maybe his second comment was just damage control. I suppose that's a possibility. Personally, when you look at JJ Abrams track record, I believe JJ didn't really mean anything by that first comment. That doesn't mean that his parents are in episode seven. It doesn't mean that they aren't. It just means we're right back to where we were. We don't know. So maybe you're somebody like me that you believe that Star Wars episode seven made it pretty damn clear that Luke is not her father. Maybe you're somebody who's an opposite thinker of me where you think episode seven made it pretty damn clear that Luke is her father. Maybe you're one of the people. There's an interesting theory about, around there that in between you know, the end of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith and the beginning of Star Wars A New Hope, that Obi-Wan Kenobi had a family. Maybe Obi-Wan is her father. Maybe Obi-Wan is her grandfather, Uh, which would make more sense if you look at the timeline. But whatever the thing is, the options are still all wide open. All right, let's move on to this. One of the things I did this past weekend was I had already seen Jungle Book twice. Okay. Before it opened. I love the jungle book. I thought it was just marvelous. And I'm one of those guys who I didn't think it was a very good idea to even do a jungle, a live action jungle book. movie. I'm like, they've done a live action jungle book movie before. Nobody cared. Why is anybody going to care now? Well, last year at D23, when they showed us the first bit of footage from jungle book, I started to care. You know, I was like, oh, who cares about jungle book? And then I saw the first bit of footage last year. I'm like, Okay. Okay, I get it now. I'm on board. Count me as one of these guys who cares. And uh, you guys have already heard me review the film. I thought it was spectacular. Absolutely loved it. Uh, absolutely love the Jungle Book. I just don't know how you do a live-action Jungle Book better than what they just did. All respect to Andy Serkis with his version of Jungle Book he's got coming out in 2018. But I just don't know how you do it better than what they just did. I mean, it's, it's crazy good. And I believe I heard Disney's going to do a sequel to it. So anyway, there's that. But anyway, one of the things I did this weekend was I finally got to take Anne, who had not seen Jungle Book. And I knew that Anne doesn't love, Anne and I have some very similar tastes in movies, but she doesn't necessarily love all the movies I love, and she doesn't necessarily hate the movies that, all the movies I hate. We still have individual opinions. But I remember when I saw Jungle Book, one of the first things I thought was, I cannot wait to see this with Anne, because I want Anne to see this, because I think Anne is going to love the Jungle Book. So I took her to go see it, and sure enough, she loved it. And that's not the story, but the story is, I thought, wow, when I saw The Jungle Book for the first time, I thought, wow, this movie like, could make 75 or $80 million opening weekend. Well, forget that. It dusted that. Jungle Book uh, made $103 million, far exceeding the expectations that Disney or anybody else had for the film. Uh, so across the 100 million mark for its opening weekend one of the one of the I, only three or four films in Disney history that's not associated with Lucasfilm or Pixar or Marvel, only the third or fourth Disney film in history, Disney proper to make over a hundred million dollars on its opening weekend. It's very impressive, great opening weekend for it. Look guys, if you have not seen the Jungle Book, you gotta go see it. I mean I'll look it up right now, but I'm pretty sure. Let me see, Jungle Book, Rotten Tomatoes. I'm pretty sure it's still in the 90s. Uh, Yeah, Jungle Book is rocking a 94%. And to be honest, I'm kind of surprised it's only 94%. Because when I watch this movie, I'm like, okay, not everybody is going to be completely in love with this film. But I just can't imagine anybody not liking it. But apparently there are 6% of the critics out there, 6 out of 100 uh, out there who didn't like the film. All right, fair enough. All film is subjective. But I think for the most part, this is one the critics got completely right. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's rocking a 92% audience rating right now. Um, so guys, yeah. So great box office weekend for it. Cracks $100 million opening weekend. Go out and see it, guys. Go out and check out The Jungle Book. I, I can't recommend it highly enough. All right, let's move on to the third story here. And this one is strange. Okay. Talking about James Cameron's Avatar. All right. Now, I really like James Cameron's Avatar, the first one. It of course is the still the all-time worldwide box office champion at 2.78 billion dollars that it made. Almost 3 billion dollars that movie made. Like there've only been like 16 or 17 films in history that have made 1 billion dollars, okay? Along comes Avatar. Avatar makes almost $3 billion. Over two and three quarters, all right, of the way to $3 billion. That's insane. Even Star Wars, The the Force Awakens couldn't catch it. So that's Avatar. And I've always liked it very much. I think it's a very, very good movie. I really enjoyed it. I I didn't think it had any business um, winning Best Picture at the Oscars. And, of course, it didn't win Best Picture at the Oscars. I believe Hurt Locker won it that year. But anyway... Um, I was one of the people that, even though I really enjoyed Avatar, I've I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I've seen it four or five times. I didn't feel it was good enough to be, you know, picture of the year. And so I was really glad when it didn't win that. <clears throat> but still a very, very good film. I enjoyed it. But I've always kind of noticed that for a film that made that much money, how quickly Avatar disappeared from the pop culture conversation. Now, what do I mean by that, by disappearing from the pop culture conversation? Well, when usually when you get these movies that come out and, and movies that are a big smash hit, especially if they're in any kind of genre, like whether they're sci fi, fantasy, horror, um, sword and sandal, you know, something like that, comic book, they normally then make an imprint on the pop culture uh, consciousness. So let's, let's look at The Dark Knight for a second, for a second. Heath Ledger's Joker, right? Now, The Dark Knight, which didn't make anywhere near the money that Avatar did, but you go out on Halloween now, you will still see so many people dressed as Heath Ledger's Joker, which is great. I love seeing people dress up as Heath Ledger's Joker. It looks amazing. Um, there are still one liners from The Dark Knight that get dropped and re- get used and referenced here and there, right? Star Wars is, is the, of course, the, the big king example where Star Wars-isms are dropped and used all the time and references are made all over the place in pop culture and everybody still dresses as Jedis and everybody still dresses as Darth Maul and all that kind of stuff. The point is that a lot of big major hit movies, they make their footprint on pop culture, if you will, and they stick around. And remember noticing that for the all-time box office champion film, Being Avatar, And the fact that it is such a – it is a genre film. It's a sci-fi action adventure. It's a genre film. I remember that first Halloween, we saw so many people dressed as Navi, right? The the blue alien race. We saw a lot of people dressed as that the first Halloween. But then I remember the second Halloween following Avatar – I had a hard time finding anybody dressed up as anything from Avatar. And by the third Halloween after Avatar came out, it was gone. It was absolutely gone. I mean, you don't seem to be dressing up as something from Avatar. No, no lines, no, uh, incidents, no things from Avatar actually made their way into the pop culture consciousness. It's just kind of disappeared. Now, that's not to say that the, that, that the film wasn't really good. It was really good. I enjoy it a lot. I think it's really solid. Yes, the movie is really good. But for a film that was that big in the sci-fi genre, I've always just thought it's very interesting how completely the movie has disappeared from the pop culture consciousness. Now, some people are going to listen to my words and say, John's hating on Avatar. And I, 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 I don't know what to tell you. I really like the movie. I think it's a great movie. I'm just making the observation that it kind of came, broke all the box office records, but then kind of quietly went away. And nobody talks about Avatar. Seriously, guys, when is the last time you heard Avatar come up in a conversation that wasn't about the potential upcoming sequels? When was the last time you heard Avatar brought up? It's, It's only ever brought up when we're talking about James Cameron going back and doing the sequels. Well, anyway... At first, there were going to be two sequels. And then about six months ago, James Avatar drops, uh, James Avatar, <laughs> James Cameron, James Avatar, James Cameron drops the bomb on us that there's actually going to be three Avatar sequels all shooting back to back. So it'll make there's going to be four Avatar films altogether. Well, CinemaCon just happened and a lot of announcements came out at CinemaCon. But now Fox is saying, and James Cameron is saying, yeah, did I say two sequels before? Did I say three sequels before? Guess what, folks? It's four sequels. Five Avatar films all together with the final one. I think the first one releasing in 2017, I think. Anyway, the final one coming out in 2023. There are going to be five Avatar films, four more Avatar sequels. And I, I mean, I just don't know. Look, it's hard to doubt James Cameron when, for the longest time, he had the number two and the number one and number two all-time box office champion films. I mean, it's it's hard to doubt the guy, um, the guy who just comes out and craps just absolutely craps out billion-dollar movies. How do you doubt a guy that does that? As a matter of fact, he still holds, even with Star Wars The Force Awakens, Avatar, the number one all-time box worldwide box office film at $2.788 billion. He still holds the top two spots because Titanic is still number two at $2.18 billion, followed by Star Wars The Force Awakens at $2.065 billion. So James Cameron... He holds the number one and the number two all-time box office champion films. So it's hard to doubt the guy, granted. But all I'm saying is that I, I, I don't understand the logic behind just up and green lighting four Avatar films. Look, it's been forever. It's been forever. I mean, Avatar came out seven years ago. What well, was in 2009? 2009. 2009. That's a long time, dude. I mean, I know that. Hey, Star Wars came out fifteen years after the last Star Wars film. Okay, yeah, yeah I get it, but it's it's it, it does seem like an awfully long time. And now you are going to do four. You are doing. You've already planned four sequels for a franchise that nobody talks about anymore. So I don't know. Look, I am the same guy. Keep this in mind. I am the same guy who was having the same questions of doubt about Jungle Book when they first announced it, and now I am singing its praises. And it just made a hundred million opening weekend, and yada yada yada. But, I mean, I'm just calling what I see. I I don't hear people talking about Avatar. I get doing a sequel, but to plan four? I don't know. To me, me it's a little bit odd. That's all I'm saying. To me, I'm not against the idea. Please don't interpret what I'm saying as me saying I'm against the idea. I just find the concept of planning four more films for franchise that, granted, is the all-time worldwide box office champion. Let's not lose sight of that. To plan four more sequels seven years after the original came out. I, I don't know. It just feels a little strong. Strange. And really, does James, do we want James Cameron, who is a great filmmaker? Let's not forget, he's not just about Avatar and he's not just about Titanic. I mean, maybe my all time action film is True Lies. This is one of his. Lest we forget about Terminator. I mean, this guy just, he makes great films. Do we want James Cameron? tied up in nothing but but Avatar for the next six years, seven years. I don't know. I I think I'd like to see James Cameron do other stuff. But it's apparently, for James Cameron's world, it's going to be all Avatar all the time. All right, let's move on to this next big bit of news that came out at CinemaCon. No surprise here. Talking about sequels and not waiting seven years to do one. Deadpool at CinemaCon which has made $758 million worldwide. Look, let's call it. A lot of people thought if Deadpool could make $300 million worldwide, everybody would call that a raging success and be very, very happy. Made more than double that. <laughs> it made $758 million worldwide. Crazy for an R-rated comic book film. So no brainer. Fox confirms at CinemaCon that Deadpool 2 is coming. Now the bigger bit of news though, not bigger, but equally as interesting, is one of the things everybody was concerned about is like, hey, wait a minute, like we know Ryan Reynolds will be back, but what about Tim Miller? Will Tim Miller come back and direct? Will Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the guys who wrote the brilliant script for Deadpool, will they be back? And Fox confirmed at CinemaCon, yep, the entire core creative team, which was Ryan Reynolds, who, remember, Ryan Reynolds really spearheaded this whole thing. He's the one who hired Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick at the beginning to develop a, Deadpool's, a Deadpool script when nobody else believed in Deadpool. Remember that. When nobody else believed in Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds believed in Deadpool. And he like put his own money behind it too. So you had Ryan Reynolds, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and director Tim Miller... Tim Miller. Uh, they've announced at CinemaCon that all four will be back for Deadpool 2. Now, we still don't have a release date for Deadpool 2. Um, if the post-credit scene in Deadpool is to be believed, we're going to get some cable action. But remember, this is what I keep telling, try, trying to tell my friends. Look, do I think cable will show up in Deadpool 2? Yes, I do. I do think that. But all I'm saying is, just because Deadpool... This sarcastic fourth wall breaking, you know, guy. Just because Deadpool comes out in a post credit scene in the first Deadpool movie and says, Hey guys, cable's coming in the next Deadpool. Don't necessarily take that to the bank because it's Deadpool. He could be lying. Who knows? I personally think we will see cable. I'm just saying, don't, don't toss out the possibility that we don't see cable. I mean just because Deadpool said it doesn't mean it's necessarily true. I'm just saying because it's Deadpool, you know um, I couldn't be more happier uh, about this like I I've seen Disney and Marvel's Captain America Civil War. I've seen it twice now <clears throat> and I absolutely love the film. you guys are probably seen, my review for it is up on my YouTube channel. I absolutely love the film. And I think you will absolutely love Captain America Civil War. But I don't know, guys. I, this is going to be very unpopular. And that's cool. I've never given a flying F about what's popular or not. All I can do is give you my honest opinion. I, as much as and as fantastic and as incredible as Captain America Civil War is. And Captain America Civil War is much better than Deadpool in many ways. But, if I'm going to be honest, I think just in terms of pure entertainment value, because Deadpool and Captain America Civil War are very, 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 very different films. Um, You'd be crazy not to see the differences. They're very different films. But I I still think Deadpool is my favorite comic book movie of the year so far. I still think Fox's Deadpool is my favorite, even though I've seen Captain America Civil War. Now, please do not be one of these brain-dead idiots who thinks just because I say one movie is better than another, that means I'm talking crap on the movie that I put in second place. Not at all. I think if you see my review, you know how much I love Captain America Civil War. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Like I said, it is. even I will tell you, I believe in many ways, it is a much better film than Deadpool. But if you're if you're going to put Deadpool's gun to my head and just ask me but you know if I had to walk into a theater right now let's say I've only seen each one once and I could only pick seeing one of them for a second time right now I think I might be walking in to see Deadpool again. I don't but look remember I this is coming from a guy who I like Deadpool more than most people did. For whatever reason for me and some other people like me, Deadpool just hit all the right notes for me. To me, the the Deadpool movie just pushed all the right buttons, it hit all the right notes. And it had me smiling and grinning and laughing and just so thoroughly entertained from start to finish. Captain America is a very, 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 very different kind of movie. It's going for different notes. It's pushing different buttons. And dramatically, it's much better than than Deadpool. Story-wise, it's better than Deadpool. There's a lot of things they do that much better than they do in Deadpool. But all I'm saying, if I'm going to be honest and not just trying to be popular, if I had to have a choice that... Okay, right now, I can only watch... I can only watch either Deadpool one more time or I can only watch Captain America Civil War one more time. And that's it. I I got to say, I think I'm walking in to watch Deadpool. But listen, guys, there's going to be a lot of you. When you see Captain America Civil War, you are going to think differently. You're going to say Civil War because trust guys, this movie is so freaking good. I know it's still like three weeks away, but you are going to love this movie. You are going to love Captain America Civil War. It is fabulous, and I cannot wait for you to see it. But that's all just to highlight how happy I am that Fox has confirmed that Deadpool 2 is coming, which we already knew, but that the whole creative team, Ryan Reynolds, uh, Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Director Tim Miller are all coming back, and that to me is fantastic news. All right, well, before we move on with the show, we're going to stop for a second. We're going to take a little break here. And we're going to thank the sponsor of this particular episode of the John Campion Podcast, making this show possible, GeekFeed.com. GeekFeed.com, the world's greatest dedicated geek news feed, providing you with fresh, juicy, up-to-the-minute breaking news and shareable content on all things geek. It's the place to get your geek fix. They eat and sleep nothing but geek, scouring the interweb to serve up some seriously tasty geek nuggets. So get ready to cram every orifice with the very latest from the world of comics, games, TV, and movies. Chow down on the funniest vines and memes. Feast your eyes on the latest trailers, posters, and of course, fan art. So check in to geekfeed.com and connect with them on all social media, at GeekFeed.com. That's at GeekFeed, D-O-T-C-O-M, on Twitter and Facebook and other social media as well. And we here at the John Campia Podcast would like to thank GeekFeed.com for their continued support of the John Campia Podcast. And we are back. All right, guys, I'm going to breeze through the next couple ones because I'm running a little bit short on time. But another piece of news that came out this past week was, first of all, at CinemaCon, a lot of stuff came out of CinemaCon. Uh Taron Egerton got up and they talked about how Kingsman, the golden circle is coming. They've got an official title now for the Kingsman sequel and it's Kingsman, the golden circle. And they revealed that Mark Strong is going to be coming back, back playing Merlin. I love Mark Strong. Um, as a matter of fact, I think one of the reasons that the latest Sasha Baron Cohen movie failed, uh, look lots of reasons why that movie failed. Okay. Lots of, lots of reasons why the movie failed but I think one of the reasons is that all they did in all the marketing for the Brothers Grimsby was just focus on Sasha Barra Cohen. Sasha Barra Cohen, this, Sasha Barra Cohen, that, Sasha Baron Cohen, this, Sasha Barra Cohen, 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 that. And again, I like Sasha Barra Cohen. I'm a, I'm a, actually, I count myself a big Sasha Barra Cohen fan. But it was a kind of a spy actioneer film that was a comedy as well with the great Mark Strong in it. And none of the trailers even mention Mark Strong. I mean, you see him in the trailers, but none of it even, none of them try to put a highlight or emphasize, the fact, guys, we've got Mark Strong in this movie. And they didn't. And I always thought that was kind of weird. Anyway, Mark Strong is returning as Merlin. But here's the really interesting thing. And I'm going to warn you, for those of you who have not seen Kingsman, and Kingsman's been out forever now, so if you haven't seen it by now, you're probably not planning on watching it, so I'm not going to feel terribly bad if this spoils it for you. But you've been warned. I'm about to give a spoiler for Kingsman. Okay, here it is: Colin Firth's character, who is amazing in the first Kingsman movie, Colin Firth's character dies, and he was fantastic. I mean, I, I, look, all due respect to Taron Egerton, who was fantastic in that movie. I cannot wait to see him in the second one. But to me, when I came out of that movie, to me, it was that was Colin Firth's movie. And like this Academy Award winning actor has now shown who would have thought he could be a badass action star. And yet here he is, Colin Firth, being a badass action star. Anyway, they announced that Colin Firth is coming back for the next Kingsman. Now, maybe that'll be in flashbacks. Who knows? Or maybe they sound found some story hook way, some excuse to say he's back from the dead. I don't know how they're doing it. I just thought that was very interesting, but the part that every, so let's move on from that. So Colin Firth is coming back. Maybe it'll just be a flashback. And it's no big deal. Maybe they're going to bring it back from the dead. Who knows? And then it is a big deal, but the other big piece of news came about this Channing Tatum took to his Twitter and basically announced that he's going to be in Kingsman, the golden circle Channing Tatum, which I believe is targeted to come out in 2017. They're shooting very soon. And Here's, and that's great. I, I have, I've always disliked, you know, for years and years and years, I disliked Channing Tatum as an actor. But in the last couple of years, he has won me over and, and I'm now on his side. I think he's grown and developed as a performer. He's gotten better and better to the point now that I get, I, I'm not going to say I get excited about him being in movies, but I look forward to seeing him, to seeing movies that I know he's one of the stars in because I just think he's gotten a lot better. I was looking forward to him being Gambit. And we all know that Gambit's gone through some drama, and they recently pulled it off the release schedule. But, I mean, is Channing Tatum joining Kingsman, the Golden Circle, is this kind of the nail in the coffin for him as Gambit? I I mean, I'm asking that, honestly. Is this the nail in the coffin for Channing Tatum being Gambit? Or... Is this just a situation where they know, oh, no, we're not going to shoot Gambit until early 2017 and he'll be done shooting Kingsman, the Golden Circle long before then and it's just a scheduling thing and it'll work out just fine? Or does this suggest, you know what? If he's announcing that he's in the new Kingsman movie now, that means he's known he's in the Kingsman movie for, for probably maybe a month or two. Does this tell us that the either A, the Gambit movie is really gone, or B, that he is just gone from the Gambit movie. Lots of possibilities. I'm just speculating here, guys. Don't take anything I'm saying as some kind of hard, fast gospel truth. I'm just speculating. But those are the thoughts that go through my mind. All right, let's move on. Two more things to touch on here, guys. Okay, this is interesting. Variety. Magazine report this week that Academy Award nominee, Michael Keaton, who probably should have won Academy Award. No, no, I'm I'm not going to say probably. Michael Keaton, who should have won the Academy Award. At least he was nominated. So there was no snub. But Michael Keaton, who was nominated for Birdman, I thought he should have won. But whatever. Variety is reporting that Michael Keaton is in talks to be the villain in the new Spider-Man Homecoming film, the first standalone Spider-Man film for Marvel, or for uh, for Sony, I should say, it's still Sony's film uh, that Marvel's going to be involved in. Though, he's in talks for Homecoming. Now, this is how weird things get, out, get get contorted because I first found out about this is the way I find out a lot of, about a lot of things is on Twitter. Everybody starts saying, but this is what people are saying: Oh my gosh, Michael Keaton's going to be in Spider-Man Homecoming as Vulture. And then that just started flying all over the place. People you talk to a lot of people they think, "Oh yeah, Michael Keaton's in talks to be Spider-Man, he's going to play the Vulture." It does not actually say anywhere that he's going to be Vulture. I think a lot of people just look at, "Oh, it's Michael Keaton and he's of a certain age, so therefore he must be Vulture." And that's look, he could end up being Vulture. He could. I hope not cuz I think I don't I've never liked Vulture as a villain, but um I just need to point out here that in nothing official, nowhere does it actually say that Michael Keaton is playing the Vulture. It doesn't say that anywhere. That's just somebody heard Michael Keaton was in talks as it was reported by Variety, and then speculated, hey, it's probably going to be a Vulture. And then the next outlet picked up on that. Michael Keaton in talks to play Vulture. And then the next one, Michael Keaton is playing Vulture. It became this broken telephone game to where everybody online just seemed to assume that Michael Keaton was playing Vulture. And like I said, it's still possible he could... Let's just take a step back and go, okay, in the actual report that came out of Variety, it says nothing about Vulture. I'm going to guess it's not Vulture. I'm going to guess it's somebody else. I have no idea who. I'm not even venturing a guess as to who Michael Keaton could be playing if he does end up being in Spider-Man Homecoming. But all I know is that it has not been made official by anybody or suggested by anybody official that it's going to be Vulture. So let's just take a little bit of a deep breath on that. All right, the final topic I'm going to touch on today. And it's weird because there are about eight other topics I could have covered today. There's like eight other topics I could have covered today. But uh, I mean, (laughs) there's just so much going on. I thought this was interesting. So one of the breakout performers in last year's Creed was uh, Tessa Thompson, who played Adonis Creed's girlfriend in the film, the musician who was going deaf. I love that character, actually. I thought she was wonderful in the film. But it's been announced that she is uh, going to be in Thor Ragnarok, the third standalone Thor film, quote unquote standalone, because Hulk's going to be in it too. Anyway, Tessa Thompson's going to be there. But it's also announced that she's going to be kind of a hero, but also a new love interest for Thor. And a report came out that basically confirmed and verified that Natalie Portman, who has been Thor's love interest in all the Thor movies, is not coming back. Natalie Portman is not going to be in Thor Ragnarok. And not only is she not going to be there, like she wasn't in, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron, right? But they still mention Jane and mention that she is still Thor's, Thor is still in love with her. She is Thor's love interest, even though Natalie Portman was not in the film. And that's fine. That's great. But now they're saying not only is Natalie Portman not going to be in Thor Ragnarok, Thor is going to have a new love interest. And this is the funny game you get into, man, when you start pushing. Because look, at the the end of the last Thor film, okay, with Malekith and all that kind of stuff, Dark World. At the end of the last Thor film, it's all about Thor breaking all the rules because he, that Jane is his soulmate. He's in love with Jane. Every, his whole world's about Jane. And now you're just saying, oh, now he's moved on. He's on to somebody else. It's like, really? Look, if you can't or don't want Natalie Portman back and look, Natalie Portman is an Academy award level actress, but let's face it. She's kind of mailed it in for her Thor appearances. I mean, she she really did. She kind of mailed it in for Thor and Thor uh, The Dark World. So while she is an incredible actress, Academy Oscar level actress that I will always enjoy watching her in films. I'm not broken up that she's not coming back for Thor. Because I don't ever think she was really invested in Thor. And that's fine. Fair. But then just recast her. Because you've spent two films t- telling us that sh- this Jane is his soulmate. That's it. And you ended the last film with him coming back from Asgard for her, like she's his world. And then even talking about her in Thor Age of Ultron. like, so if you're going to do all that and now you're just throwing that out, that seems strange to me. That seems really strange. And I would hope that they would just replace then Natalie Portman with a new actress, hopefully one that has better chemistry with, with Chris Hemsworth. And continue to say Jane is his love interest. Now that they're pulling they're pulling that out too, I just think it's an odd choice. I mean, look, and if you don't want to have Jane there, don't have Jane there. Then how about just not giving Thor a love interest? How about that? It's a freaking comic book movie. You don't need a love interest. Yes, Tony and Pepper worked. Yes, in my opinion, um Spider-Man and Gwen worked in the amazing Spider-Man things, but for the most part, don't really give a flip about Love it. And yes, it worked in Deadpool. But those are three comic book films. Look, for the most part, we don't. Why does Thor have to have a love interest? Just bring in Teresa, uh, Tessa Thompson and just make her her own character. Now, whether she's going to be Valkyrie or Amora the Enchantress or whatever, who knows? I just think it's really weird that they're making a new love interest to Thor. That's all I'm saying. All right, guys, that'll do it for me for this installment of the John Campia podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Don't forget, guys, follow me on social media. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Follow me simply at John Campia. Make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well where I throw my movie reviews up. Follow me, uh, of course, at youtube.com slash John Campia. You can find my YouTube channel there. Please support me by uh, doing that. And listen, guys, talking about supporting me, if you want to help out the John Campia podcast, do this for me. It doesn't cost any money. It only takes a second of your time. Open up iTunes and find the John Campia podcast in iTunes and rate and comment on this podcast. Very simple. It's really quick and it would help me out a great deal. So anyway, that'll do it for me guys for this episode of the John Campia podcast. I'll be back again next time. Thanks so much for joining me. And until then, bye-bye.